Hey guys, I hope you've been enjoying our podcast, Gripped, Awakening the Grown in a Generation for Revival and the Return of the Lord. It's with this in mind that I just released a new prayer album called Revival. These tracks will light you up. I believe they go hand in hand with this podcast and they will light you up and stir up revival in you. You can get it at iTunes or Spotify or wherever there's music streamed. Get it today. Bless you. What's up? What's up? Here we are. <laughs> it's Corey Russell, Billy Humphrey, and this is Gripped, awakening the grown in a generation for revival and the return of the Lord. And so here we are. We're in uh, episode ten. Episode ten, and uh, finalize the season with this one. That's right. All right. So man, what a wild one it's been, and uh, I hope you guys have loved the season as much as we have yeah. been absolutely wrecked left most episodes crying <laughs> uh, travailing praying just wrecked and so you know in, in in our last episode we began to talk about um isaiah 57 15 he dwells in the high and holy place and with him who is contrite and of a poor spirit we looked at isaiah 66 sermon on the mount and the issue of humility is the primary virtue that it that becomes the wineskin and becomes the thing that attracts heaven. Yes. That attracts the glory. Yeah. Because we're that. talking about glory. Yes. Revival. Personal revival. Yeah. Regional revival. Corporate revival. What is it that hosts revival? It's humility. And then we begin to go on the search. So one, it's that. That's what gets his attention. But then we begin to go on the search. Well, then how do you get humble? You know, right. what, what? how do I get humble? How, do I just grip my teeth? I'm going to be humble. We're born with this thing. Right. It, it's so part of who we are, and our journey is con- being conformed and being delivered from what we're naturally are. That's right. And into him. And we ended up, and, and what I love that you talked about is, uh, you talked about the three H's. You talked about humility, yeah. hunger. Spiritual hunger. And holy. And holiness. And and I ended in the last uh, episode by talking about we're not we don't become humble by trying to be humble we we become humble by beholding the humble one yeah and as we behold him in his humility I love John thirteen this is amazing yeah. because I I, I it, it actually gets on my nerves a little bit when we talk about humility because we'll we'll look at certain personality types oh right 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 and say and they're so humble they're so humble. But I want to tell you that humility is actually a statement of divine revelation. Yes. Jesus in John 13, it says that he knew where he had come from. Mm -hmm. He had known that all things had come from the Father and that he was going to the Father and all things had been given to him. And that's what freed him. Yeah. See, in in humility is the deep revelation. I've already got everything. Mm -hmm. I'm already a king and I've already been given everything. Therefore, I'm free to live completely dependent on you and to, and to free. And then it freed Jesus in John 13 to get down there and wash their feet and to model that and call them to model and to, to exemplify it as well. And even us. Yes. Do this to one another. That's not just those guys in that day. That's us. And washing feet. I mean, you can literally physically wash people's feet. I mean, I've done that. But it's really about serving a person 
even in their even in their dirt, even yes. in their broken place, even doing the thing for somebody that no one else would do. Yes. And that's just the norm. That's normal Christianity. And that's what God, that's what gets God's attention. So humility. And then I, I want you, Billy, talk to me about hunger. Because yeah. that, that's what, honestly, why I wanted to do this podcast. Yeah. For the last 17 years, you make me hungry for yeah, God. Me too, bro. Just being around you, it's the, the, the tuning fork. It's the pitch, the yeah. tuning fork. And you ding, and it, and it recalibrates me to hunger. Yeah. I think um, for me, like years ago, whenever I was first coming into like into doing ministry, I realized, oh, I'm not the best preacher. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not T.D. Jakes or, exactly. you know what I mean? I'm just not that guy. Yeah. Um, and I remember I had this friend in ministry. This guy could dance. He could sing. He would do one man. We used to do human videos where he's acting out an entire song. Oh he do God. a single, and then he preach. And when he preached, he preached like a house on fire. And then sometimes his messages, he would just be funny. He would just tell, he would do 30 minutes of like jokes and have the whole room rolling. I'm like, I've never seen anybody this gifted. And if I have to be yeah. that, I might as well stop being in ministry right now because I can't. Yes. And I remember as I was encountering passages like Psalm 63 and Psalm 42, yes. and then the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. I, I remember for me thinking, oh, hunger doesn't require any giftedness. Yes. You know what I mean? It, you don't have to be a preacher, a singer, a dancer, a musician. You don't have to, you don't have to have, be able to talk to be hungry all you have to do is desire yes and 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 i realized because before i got saved i was like you you and i were the same testament i was a messed up drugs alcohol yes. the whole nine yards and i realized that there was an appetite that was on board yes a desire for something beyond yes this normal place yes. and i can remember even being a young like a kid getting up you know Watching TV till I couldn't watch anymore. Okay, again, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna look in the fridge or something. There's none here to eat. I'm just gonna, and I remember just being restless, walking around my house looking for something to scratch an itch on the inside that I hadn't created. It was in there, it was on board. And then David, he says it. He says, My soul thirsts for God and God alone. And when I, when I realized that there is this transcendent, this desire yes. for something other than yes. something more than something greater than it was already in there it is like the light bulb went on for me i was like oh and i can feed that i can feed that hunger i can feed that desire and this has nothing to do with my giftedness it has everything to do with what i present myself before and what's interesting with the lord is he's the only thing that satisfies and he is the greatest addiction there is. So the more you get of him, the more your heart is filled. And the more your heart is filled, the greater you desire him. And uh, as a young man, that hit me. It was like, I won't, I'm probably not going to be the best preacher speaker. I don't have the singing voice. I can't dance. I'm not all these things, but I can 
I can present myself before him. I can be as hungry as anyone. And then I, I started hearing like, I remember reading Catherine Kuhlman's uh, uh, biography. And Catherine Kuhlman was this healing evangelist in the 70s. She had had a failed marriage. She was not a very pretty, you know, like model type woman. Yeah. She didn't have a, a great speaking gift. But she just, she just put herself in front of him and she just said to the Lord, if you can use nothing, here it is. Because you're all I want. And I just remember her testimony touching me so deeply and the power of God that was released in her life, the captivating uh, an anointing that was upon her and the 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 um, connection she had with Holy Spirit. The testimonies from Catherine Kuhlman's life, literally, people that were in her meetings, they said that she would rebuke sickness and disease and they could hear the sound of lightning crackling out of her, the, the powers of God being released through this woman who had this deep relationship with God all based on her desire, her hunger for God. And man, I don't know, but we get one go round. You know, we get one life to live where we're actually behind the veil, where we don't see him. We get one go round because in, in a minute we're going to be right in front of him, right? Yes. This is the only opportunity we ever will have where we can yearn for him and, and put our desire on display for him. And it's this life. I don't want to waste this life hungering for stupid stuff that's going to amount to nothing. That's going to, it's not going to produce anything in my inner man. It's not going to actually give me anything of eternal value. He's the only thing that makes sense in terms of pursuit. And so being that kid that did drugs, I knew there was something I wanted. I don't fault drug addicts. I realize they're tapping into that yes, desire. Yes. I, He's I, sitting there weeping. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm crying. This dials that up because this is my definition for hunger. It's the, because even hunger is a gift from God. Yes. It's the, it's the awareness of my need. Yes. It's the revelation of my need. And when spiritual hunger touches you, it's God revealing to you how much you need him. And I think, and, and I think that pray to get hungry. He, it says, Everyone who's hungry, when he, when every, he goes, he invites anyone. If anyone thirsts, let him come. But I, I want to say this too, and, and I didn't get into this. One, we were talking about William Seymour in an earlier post, but around that time, there was a man by the name of John G. Lake. Yes, and, I was thinking about this. Yeah, and, and if I'm going to talk, it, I got a hold of his collected works, his sermons, and he does. There's a, a big book like this yes. called John G. Lake's Collected Works. You just get yes. it. It just changed your life. And But he does a message on spiritual hunger and he talks about yes. pray to get hungry. And he says the greatest gift that I could give to anybody, anybody would be to be hungry. And he goes through, he shares his own story of even walking in a measure of healing for 10 years, his hunger for God. Everybody around him would say, Hey brother, you, you've been baptized in the Holy spirit. You've got it all. And he says phrases no. like, I knew that my soul was on the borderland of a great expanse. And I was not satisfied until I'd fully crossed over. And and because you got to understand there's an eternal longing on the inside of you. God puts that in you. And 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 John talks about being hungry. He says phrases like, to a hungry man, anything tastes good. Yes. And living with this raw, violent, aggressive, desperate search. It's not human zeal. It's not 
the contriving and stirring up of emotionalism. It's a work of God in the soul that, that, that may be loud or it may be very quiet. Yes. It may be expressive and it may not. It's not about what it always looks like. There's a deep gnawing hunger on the inside of you that possesses you. Because I've found over my years, yes, I, I'm all about the express. Because it will touch you in one measure on expressions, but it's not all about that. I've found that the deeper and longer my prayer life has gone, the shorter and deeper my prayers are becoming. To which yeah. I'm not even, like I, we talked about in another one. I know I'm rambling over everything right now. No, just go. Um, I mean, just to even talk about this, it's, John G. Lake peaks the he peaks this thing like nobody else that I've ever read. He, he lays hold of it. He talks about his story. And when he talks about his baptism in the Holy Ghost, <laughs> this story's wild. It's the best. It's the best. He had been moving in a measure of healing for 10 years. Everybody's telling him he's baptized. He goes, no, there's more. It's not about tongues. It's about entrance into Jesus. It's about a greater experience of the man. And he says, and he was sitting there. They went to go pray for a woman with rheumatoid arthritis. And him and this other guy go to pray for him. He says he's literally sitting in a chair like this. And he's just leaning back and he's crying, saying, God, when will you fully baptize me into yourself? When will I fully be immersed into you, God? And he began to cry. And he he, he said it went from the Lord began to, he began to feel a trauma. The Lord told him, he goes, I've seen your... I've seen your tears and I've heard your cries. You're now to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. He said a warm tropical rain. <laughs> Just began to come over him. He felt it flowing through his body, a warm tropical rain, and it moved into electricity. He says it was about at that time that his friend, who's across the rooms, praying for this woman with rheumatoid arthritis. He goes, John, come and pray for her. He's standing at about 10 feet from her. And the elect, now the volts are shooting through him. <laughs> he, he, he just stands up and he goes, I knew by this time that the power that was coursing through me, I didn't need to, I didn't need to touch her. <laughs> he said, he stood up and he stretched his hand out towards this woman. And the power of God hits this woman. This is crazy. And then hits his friend, and his friend flies back five feet. And the friend goes, praise God, John. You've been baptized <laughs> in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> anyway, the testimonies that John G. Lake ended up with after that encounter are otherworldly. They literally would take him, and they would do scientific experiments on the man. They would put plagues, uh, they would take, so there was an entire area in, in Africa where he ended up doing all this missions work, and they, they had people trying to bury the bodies, and everybody was burying the bodies, I, was, I don't know, it was yellow fever, or I think it was yellow fever, and they, they were burying the bodies, and everybody that would bury the bodies would get sick, so they couldn't, they didn't have anybody who could bury the people that were dying from this plague, and John G. Lake, they were getting everybody healed of it. And so they literally, the medical professionals asked John G. Lake, did he have people that could bury the body that would be immune? And it had to be his, it was the, all the guys that he trained. that They had the ascendancy oh over gosh. sickness. But they would literally take the sickness, put it under a microscope. They'd put the dropper of the whatever it was on his, on his skin. 
to see how it would respond and it would literally die. He would tell them, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is alive on the inside of me. He's quickening my mortal body and that life that's working in me is going to kill the death that's in this plague. And they would watch it die under the microscope. My God, pray (laughs) to get hungry. This is the journey. And I would say this is the, is, is sustaining it. Here we are 25 years later. You know, we've got other guys ahead of us. The Mike Bickles, the Lou Ingalls, yes. been on this thing for 40 yes. years, 50 years. But and, and people ask, how do you keep it? How do you sustain it? And one is I, I, I refuse to believe the hype, the press, believe anything else. I, I go after the Philippians 3 where Paul says, I forget the things that are behind yes. me. I forget the failures and I for, forget the successes. Yes. I forget the memories. I forget everything else, and I'm on this pursuit. And honestly, and I like that's to... so. Go ahead. No, I have a friend. I have a dear friend. When I when I started in ministry and things were popping, things were going. He, he's 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 uh, Venezuelan. He's a Billy boy. Don't believe your own headlines. Yes. Don't believe what they say about you. It yes. will hurt you. Yes. Because he saw the anointing in me. But he said, if you believe what people are saying about you, you won't keep pressing on that's for more. Right. I find that's a big one, is the forgetting. And then number two, and I'm just going to share, I, 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 there is a scene. I'm a big Rocky Balboa fan. And there's a scene, actually, that's deeply profound yeah. to me. It's Rocky Three because I find that the, I see a lot of people, and this is the thing, this really brings us to the core. I see a lot of people get hungry for God for a year. Yeah, They'll push in. They'll go after God, and there might be a measure that they walk in, but it, it's the subtle, seductive nature of the heart to get away from what you did in the early days yes. once you get it yes. or get a measure. I call it running to a false finish line. That's exactly it. Run, and so because our visions are so low, we'll push in, get it, and then it becomes a distant memory. And there are so many casualties in ministry and in life the thing will keep going, but yet Elvis left the building a long time ago. Yeah. As far as that deep ache. And one of the ways that the Lord always recalibrates me to rawness. And, and all of that is Rocky Three, Rocky's experiencing prosperity for the first time of his life. Yes. He has gone from nowhere, a bomb in back boxing rooms, to now the champion of the world. He's experiencing prosperity, fame, and all the stuff, fighting a bunch of bum fighters, going through the motions, and there's an up-and-coming fighter named Clubber Lang. This guy's hungry, he's raw, he's nasty, he's mean. And and Mickey, Rocky's manager, knows he's coming for him. Well, it comes time for Rocky's uh, retirement speech. They're gonna unveil the statue, he's gonna retire. Clubber Lane comes out of the crowd and begins to talk trash about him. Give me my chance. Give me my chance. And Rocky goes, let's go, let's go. And Mickey goes, no, you're not. You're not fighting him. They go off in the back room, and Rocky goes, why won't you let me fight him? Why won't you let me fight him? And he goes, looks around at him. He goes, because you can't win, Rock. He goes, you can't win. He says, this guy will knock you into tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> he says, he says, <laughs> He says, he, he goes, I haven't seen you this hungry in years. Yes. He says, he, he goes, three years ago, you were supernatural. <clears throat> you had a cast iron jaw. You were nasty. You were mean. You were raw. 
And he goes, and then it, here's the line that changed my life. He goes, the worst thing that could have happened to a fighter has happened to you. You got domesticated. domesticated. That phrase, over the last 25 years, whenever God wants to birth me into a new season, mm. Mickey shows up. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Yes. Holy M Ghost Mickey. Mickey shows up and says, Corey, <sighs> you've been believing hype. You're living on the residuals yes. of a last season. Yes. You need a fresh season of fasting. You need a rawness back on you. A, a, you need to get the political spirit, the networking spirit, yes. the man-pleasing spirit marketing knocked off spirit. of you. The marketing spirit. You need to get that knocked <clears throat> off of you with a fresh season of fasting, a fresh season of prayer, hiding yourself away with me. You need to shut down some things, cancel some trips, get back to going back to learn what you did in the early days. Yes. And you never graduate. When we talk about the lifestyle, it's doing the stuff when no one knew you yes. and you go back and you live that way. Prayer in secret, fasting in secret, yes. giving in secret, serving in secret and doing that and connecting with God is what peaks that hunger. It's what drives out the other lovers that brings in holiness. It brings a reconsecration and a recalibration that I find is absolutely necessary to continue in the lifestyle for yeah. decades. You get soft. Yes. You know, you, you, you get your you get your 15, 20 messages that you can drop anywhere and you can get soft. Yes. But you know what? As a as a minister, you can tell when you're not when you're not in the vein. Yes. People most people won't be able to tell. You're exactly but right. But you know when you're off. You know when your heart's not burning. You know when you're not living close to him. And the only way that hunger continues to breed more hunger is by getting to that one, getting to Jesus, and allow him to just create a deeper well, a deeper desire. Jesus. And here's the thing. The, so it's like this. You start off seeking God, and, and you kind of think, well, I've got him at about a level two, and he's a level ten. Yes. And then you lean in, you lean in, you're hungry, you want some more of God, and you get a level three. But what happens is in your attainment, your revelation increases. Yes. So what was now you thought he was only to a level 10, he's a level 15. So you got more, you doubled. You went from two to three. That's a whole 50% more. That's not double, it's 50% more. But you just realize there's five more <laughs> levels in him. And every little bit more you gain, the grander you see he is. And what happens is if you'll pursue the quotient, the gap between what you thought you knew and what you thought you have and what is real, it increases. So you attain more simultaneously as gain more hunger. And the only way to continue to feed that is by doing those things. It really is. You know where he, I mean, and this isn't a brag or a pride, but you know where he and I are going to be on Monday? He's going to be in a prayer room in Dallas. That's right. I'm going to be in a prayer room here in Atlanta. That's right. That's right. And we're going to be with our eyes closed, our Bibles open, and we're going to be sitting before him, asking him to breathe on our heart again. Yes. And you know what? It doesn't matter what I feel like on Monday. It doesn't matter what I physically feel like. Absolutely that is not, not even the point. The point isn't, does, is anybody else going to be there? The point isn't going to be who's leading worship in the, in the prayer room. No. The point is he's going to be there whether I feel them or not. And it's in that place that I get to express. I actually get to express to him God. how much I want him. 
And it's not about if I'm shouting. It's not even about if I'm crying. I mean, I am right now, but it's just about the fact that I know there's more of him. And I haven't attained what he showed me 30 years ago. I haven't. There, there are things I've seen in my heart that I've never seen in my, with my physical eyes. And those visions are not to be thrown away. So many of you, you got marked 10, 15, 20 years ago. You saw something in your heart that God wanted to release in the earth or through your life. And it got hard. It got difficult. You got a measure of attainment. And then what did you do? You just, when it got hard, you just pulled back because you thought the cost was too much. And I'm telling you, those things are not gone in the heart of God. He's inviting you into them. Allow those visions to stoke that, that flame on the inside of you again, to bring you into that place of desire and spiritual hunger. I, I love how Mike, he taught us this. He said, there's nothing that you want that you have to do without in the kingdom. That's right. Because if you're doing without it, it's because you're not leaning in for it. You can have as much of God as you want. Yes. And, yeah, you can have as much of God as you want. And I want to just say that to you. I want you to know fasting, prayer, all that stuff, it's not about earning it. No. It's about honoring it. And it's about honoring. I think I say it this way. Fasting makes me vulnerable mm-hmm. to what I've already been brought into so that I can walk in it, experience it, encounter it. Fasting weakens your resistance. Prayer is about proximity. It positions you. It puts you in the way of it. And you're honoring it by saying, God, living close to you is all I want to do. It's not about doing anything. It's not about when we fall in love. When you fall in love with your wife, I rearrange everything. My time's hers. My money's hers. It's it's all about rearranging born of love. And that's what happens when you touch love. But yet we do it in all relationships. I hear people saying, well, I don't. I just kind of wait for God to schedule my time to be with him. I say, and tell your wife that, and you don't have a date night for six months. <laughs> I said, no, we do that in every other thing in life. Yes. We prioritize the valuable. Yes. We put barriers. We put boundaries. We put yes. definition and real definitions to real things. Mm. To, why? To cultivate the intimacy. To grow in knowing, being known and knowing and creating the safe space to go somewhere. We do that everywhere but with God because we don't want to get religious. And I want to say that is the greatest lie to keep you disconnected from him and living perpetually in a nowhereville and not really going anywhere. Yeah. Anyway, that was just kind of a little bonus. I mean, I just want to say to you guys, it's about him. It's about intimacy. Yeah, I'm going to be there on Monday morning. I'm going to skip some meals next week, not because I have to and not because he's telling me. Because you love him. Because I love him. him. And I just want to clear the deck off my heart and say, Jesus, you're my first thing. Yes. You're my first thing, God. I want a fresh reach on the inside of me. God, I want fresh tears. I want fresh tears. I I think I, I found... And I think there's an element of revival praying that will begin to peak as you grow in intimacy with him. There is the deep intimacy of love, intimacy with the, with him. But I find tears begin to flow. Yeah. Fresh tongues begin to flow. And the travail of the spirit begins to grow deep within you as you cultivate this intimacy. What are the desires you have on the inside? Yes. I'm not talking about desires for things or platforms or your, your social media sphere. 
the desires you have for God, what are they? Like really, what are the things you've dreamt of in God? Have you attained them? Have you seen it? Because if you haven't, that's your invitation. Yes. Because it's God who created those dreams on the inside of you. Your flesh didn't come up with that. The devil didn't give you dreams in God. The flesh didn't. That's it. It's, he, see, he, he invites us into the, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Yes. He invites us into it by showing it to us. That's your invitation into pursuit. And touch that a little bit, and hunger will begin to reemerge in your soul. The other thing is this. This is a natural example, but it's the exact same with spiritual stuff. You know how I can spoil my appetite for dinner? Go eat a bunch of candy bars right now. That's exactly right. I can go eat a bunch of cotton candy and Snickers and popcorn. And guess what I won't want? I won't want whatever my wife is cooking me for dinner tonight. That's like right. Whatever that you know, special meal is. As long as you are gorging yourself on all these other things to fill up and, and anesthetize your soul from the ache of desire, you're filling up your mind with all these entertainments and your screen and flipping. And I got to get on IG and I got to look now TikTok. I got to do that. And as long as that's your main thing, guess what? It will, it will quench spiritual hunger. Because all that stuff, while some of it's necessary and, and not even and not even bad or yeah, sinful yeah. stuff, I mean, we're, we're going to watch a football game in a bit, yeah. you know? Like, that doesn't make you automatically you're in sin if you ever do entertainment. But, but, but it's when you give yourself yes. to that and your passion is in that, and, and, and all of a sudden you can't give yourself to God. Yes. And you've, you've spoiled your appetite. And that's really what the point of with fasting is. We push ourselves back from any kind of natural thing that we'd be sustained with so that we can get in touch with that groan and that desire, that Jesus. ache on the inside, and spiritual hunger begins to grow. Man, I remember Lou Engel, Lou's a, a spiritual papa to Corey and I, and I remember him telling me this story about Arthur Wallace, the great revivalist. And that's a book. If you've never read Arthur Wallace, In the Day of Thy Power, I know we referenced it in an yes. earlier episode this season. you got to get it in the yes. day of thy power. Yes. And in, while you're at it, go ahead and get uh, God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace. Go ahead and get both of those. But Lou told this story about he was in an Arthur Wallace meeting, and Arthur Wallace is 86 or 88, and he's like old. He's, there, he's near the end of his life. And, and uh, he preaches on the baptism of fire. And, and, and Lou answers the altar call. It's like a young Lou Engle, like 30 or 28 or something. He's young. And, and Lou answers the altar call, and he, he grabs Arthur Wallace, and, and he's praying for people. And Lou grabs Arthur Wallace, and he says, I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Arthur Wallace, as he's getting ready to lay hands on Lou, now Arthur Wallace is 86, rev revivalist, Contemporary of Leonard Ravenhill. I mean, all this. I mean, he's, he's written the book on revival. He says to him, yes, young man, I too am looking for something more from God. My gosh. I want to be. Yes. I want to be 86. Hungering after Jesus. Just like I hungered for him. In the day that I got saved. And some of you, you've just, you really, 
this is the moment for you. You've been tracking with us this season, and this is the moment God's reawakening your soul through these podcasts. And it's time to obey that hunger on the inside. Not worry about what it looks like, not worry about what anyone else thinks, but begin to pursue God according to that ache on the inside. And He's going to take you into a season of encounter, a visitation, a season of discipline like you've never had. Discipline is the outcome of spiritual desire. That's right. That's ex- it's not legalism. I'm disciplined because I want. That's right. I want God. That's right. This this just happened to me probably about three weeks ago to where John Kilpatrick, the pastor of Brownsville yeah. Revival, yeah. I was blessed to do a conference with him and was there for his meeting and he comes to pray for me and he's praying for me and he takes my hand and he places it on his heart. He goes, I need you to pray for me. I was so humbled. What? I mean, the man that, you know, experienced so much in Brownsville, he's walked with the Lord all these years and the same kind of spirit that you were just sharing about. And I'm just like, God, that's where I want to be all the way. I want to finish well, and I want this vision to consume my life. Guys, here we are. We're here at the end of this season, first season. You've been tracking with us. We've just been just bleeding on you. Just That's really it. That's really what we've been doing. It's not like we've even had any. We're not even trying to do the podcast cool at all. <laughs> We're just, we just need, we just knew we needed to do this. I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to do this with Billy. And we just need to bleed the core stuff concerning revival on a generation. And I, I just want to say, give yourself to this. God, guys, God will take you. He'll use the Catherine Coleman's. He'll use the most broken. He'll use you. He'll take your desperation. He'll take the Gideons. You may be the weakest. I'm from a town of 3,000. He's got his story. I got my story. God is not a respecter of persons. Yes. He will take you wherever you're at. And he will blow your mind. Yes. I just want to pray. Just open your hands. And I just want to pray. God, I ask you right now that you would release this vision for the dwelling of God. And for, for full absorption into God. God, I pray for that cry, that primal ache on the inside to be fully absorbed into God internally in revival. I will, I'll end with Revelation twenty two seventeen. Spirit bride say, come, come to me in intimacy. Come near me in revival and come for me at your coming. To me in intimacy, near me in revival, for me at your coming. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, arise within every person. Arise, awaken that groan, awaken that groan, disrupt, shake, break open, God. God, I pray that we would begin to downsize, remove, get ourselves removed from all the voices and the vices. And I pray for the fire of God. I pray for the fire of God to be released right now. Now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for an entire generation, young ones, old ones, hungering and thirsting after Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you're about to release on the earth. I'm convinced 
we're standing on the pre precipice oh. of the greatest awakening oh. America has ever seen an outpouring of the spirit like we've never comprehended. So, Father, I ask, burn that vision in our souls. Grip us with hunger and direct us in to a lifestyle that sees it come to pass. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much, Jesus. Guys, this is the end of our first season together. We love you, and we look forward to seeing you next year. Bless you guys. <laughs>